There you are. Welcome to another Medicast. I'm Charlie Swearingen, owner and operator of Medication Specialist. This will be the second in a series titled Top 10 Topics Causing Failure on the FPC or CFRN Exams. Not just those exams. There's a couple other critical care exams that this would fit with. But otherwise, today's topic is going to be the dreaded oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve. Strap in, kids. This is going to be a good one. This is one of those topics that scare people to death. You know, a lot of times because in textbooks or when you're getting a lecture on it, too often people use so much upper-level jargon and technical talk to try to communicate the bigger point. And that's where that's where I have a problem with when educators either don't know how to describe it or haven't studied enough to be able to know how to put it simply or otherwise just regurgitate something that somebody else wrote that's just way, way over our heads. I mean, the way that it's normally described in textbooks is at a level of graduate level physiology and I'm getting my PhD in physiology and, and I'm telling you that some of that stuff is very, very, very hard. But you know what? It doesn't have to be. Why does it have to be that hard? It doesn't. And let, let me let me let me put this in your mind right now, and you'll have the concept, or at least the framework, f- to build your your concept of this. Because what do you really want to know from this? What's important? What you really want to know is how you can use this information to help you on a test. Specifically, the CFRN, the FPC, the CCPC, the CCRN, a whole bunch of other alphabet tests that are out there. That's what you want to know. You want to know, how can I use this? Let me tell you. It's very simple. It's kind of like Goldilocks. If you remember Goldilocks and the Three Bears. But let's not, let's think of a, a modern day Goldilocks situation where she comes into the bear's house and she, of course all the normal stuff that she gets into and she gets into the situation where something's too hot or too cold or too soft or you know not comfortable and so on and so forth. I want you to think of if Goldilocks was going to put up a picture frame, kind of a relatively heavy picture frame. We're just going to put up a picture frame in their house, but using Velcro. Okay, you know the Velcro strips that you could put on the back of frames that you could put on your wall. 3M makes them now. It's it's a fantastic thing. I have them all over my house. But the one thing is that it's Velcro. Okay, so you have to kind of figure out exactly how much Velcro to use, right? If you use too little, what happens? Well, that, that heavier picture frame is going to fall off. If you use too much, later on when your wife or your spouse or your your um, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, whoever, tells you to take it down, well, now it's going to be too difficult to pull off because you have so much Velcro on there. Guess what? That is exactly what the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve says. It's really talking about, when we're talking about the pH part, we're talking about, I'm going to use a friend, uh, excuse me, a term that my friend coined a long time ago called stick It has too much stick or too little stick right? Such a silly word, but um, help, hopefully you'll, it, these silly things will help you remember this concept that a lot of the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve really talks about is stickiness of oxygen to hemoglobin. Period. That's it. A left shift causes that stickiness to change. A right shift causes that stickiness to change. The Goldilocks is the normal, right? Right in our normal range. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, remember, the Goldilocks land, it, I mean, if you think about it, all of our 
all of our lab values, all of our vital signs, everything that we measure has that Goldilocks land, right? Or the Goldilocks zone where it's just right. It's not too little. It's not too much. It's just right. So with that in mind, Again, the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve is literally talking about how sticky oxygen is to hemoglobin, right? And that's, if it's not sticky, then it gets disassociated. If it's very, very sticky, then it's associated, right? So it's the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve is talking about how sticky oxygen is for the red blood cell, okay? We want it in that Goldilocks land. So when we talk about things that vary because there's things that can change our condition. Now, when I say condition, I mean we can change that Goldilocks zone. Right now, you and I have oxygen. We're breathing in oxygen. It's coming into our lungs, going across our alveolar capillary membrane, getting on a red blood cell because it has just the right stick-to-itiveness. It's going around to our, our tissues with that oxygen on the red blood cell. It's offloading that oxygen off of the red blood cell into the cell because it has just the right stick-to-itiveness. And now it's coming back. Now, the reason why I'm using some of these silly, silly phrases is because sometimes let's get the concept first, and then we can start really building on vocabulary and technical jargon. But the stick the stickiness is what we're talking about right now. Normally, as we're living right now in this Goldilocks zone of oxygen getting on the red blood cell, being taken around to the cell and offloaded, it's, it's in the normal Goldilocks zone. There are certain things such as temperature, such as the acidity or lack of acidity, Carbon monoxide, all these things can push us in different um, sticky levels, okay? So let's talk about Goldilocks is going to hang up a frame for us, okay? So she's going to use Velcro to put onto the back and hang it on the wall. She has to have enough, but she can't have so much that she can't ever take it down because it's too, it's too snug, it's too sticky, right? Now, how is she going to choose how much Velcro to put on here? On the, on the picture frame. If she had a way to measure the stickiness, then she would know just exactly how much Velcro to put on there, and it would be just, it'd be right there in that Goldilocks zone. That's what we're looking for when we're talking about left or right shift, is we're looking for indicators that are telling us, are we in left shift or right shift, or are we just right? So in this search for the sticky numbers, let's first consider the one that is probably most readily available, the one that you're probably already most, uh, that you're very used to using, entitled CO2. All right, entitled CO2, let's talk about that just for a second. Now, one of the coolest things that I've seen in science and in physiology is that every creature produces the same amount of CO2. It's unbelievably fascinating. We produce 35 to 45 millimeters of mercury of CO2. Now, think back to a, um, a, a rabbit or a hamster. And if you don't know how fast their heart beats, very, 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 very fast. It's because they're trying to get, th get that entitled CO2 out, just like we're trying to get it out. But ours is lower because we are bigger and we have bigger piping in our vessels and so on and so forth. Well, what's something bigger than us? A whale or an elephant? Guess what their heart rates are? Very slow because they have a bunch more piping to get rid of, uh, to get that entitled CO2 to their lungs or respiratory system and to get rid of it. It's, it's so amazing. So 35 to 45, burn that in your mind. You have to be, have that to be able to use this information for some test questions in the future. So 35 to 45, guess what happens? And, and, and look, just in your mind, think of 35-45. What number's on the left? 35. What number's on the right? 
45, right? Okay, if you have a lower entitled CO2, something like 30, where would that go on that number line? Would it be left of 35 or right of 45? It's to the left. It is lower. Really funny how all those those words start with L. Lower, left. So we're talking about entitled CO2. If you have a if you have a lower than normal, lower out of that Goldilocks zone, then it is a left shift. Now, that left shift causes a higher, higher, higher stick-to-itiveness, a higher stickiness to that for that oxygen on the red blood cell. So any condition that causes a left shift holds on to oxygen and, and the hemoglobin. The hemoglobin holds on to oxygen. The hemoglobin is really what kind of grabs oxygen and lets it go. And so that's really where the strength comes in is, is if you have a left shift, like if you have an internal CO2 of 30, well, then that hemoglobin is going to hold and grab onto that oxygen and really, really hold on to it. So, so imagine if you have a left shift, oxygen molecule floats into your lungs, gets across the alveolar capillary membrane, gets on a red blood cell, and it's just grabbed really, really tightly. So now it's going to go all the way around to the cell. Well, right when it gets to the cell, when the hemoglobin should let it go, if you're experiencing a left shift from one of these three conditions we're about to talk about, one of them being um, a uh, low entitled CO2, if that happens, then as that that oxygen molecule on the red blood cell gets to the cell, the hemoglobin does not let go of it. It's too sticky. Just like if we put too much Velcro on the back of a picture frame and tried to pull it off and we couldn't, that oxygen molecule is not allowed to be released from that hemoglobin. So the oxygen comes all back to the to the lungs. Okay, that's too sticky. That is a left shift. Okay, so let's talk about other things that can cause a left shift. One of them, obviously, is low entitled CO2. And what can we relate entitled CO2 to the chemistry of the body? When we have high entitled CO2, we consider CO2 an acid, right? So that's how our body gets, like in somebody with DKA, and they have just a bunch of acid running through them, and they're, they're breathing really fast, really deeply. They're trying to offload CO2 to get rid of that acid, because our body can take C- acid and turn it into CO2. So if we get rid of CO2, we free up the acid. We get rid of acid in our body. So just the same, if you have a whole, whole bunch of internal CO2, you could be considered somewhat acidotic. You'd have to tie that to the, the ABG, but... it. That's the, that's the concept. A lot of CO2 means a lot of acid, which means a little CO2, a low CO2, is more alkalosis. So a left shift can be caused by alkalotic states. Alkalosis. L in there. Low. Alkalosis. Low in tidal CO2. Left shift. They're all L words, right? Think of that. And now we can just simply think of the concept of any time we have a low in tidal CO2, we're in the middle of a left shift, and that our ox molecules are very, very, very sticky to the to the hemoglobin. And it's not going to be released to the tissue. So at our tissues are going to be super hypoxic. What does that what does that mean for us? That means that for us, if we have a patient on the vent, we need to make sure to keep their end tidal between thirty five and forty five. Okay, because that is where oxygen is optimized to get on the red blood cell and get off the red blood cell like it's supposed to, like it's designed. Okay, these conditions, one of them that we just went over, internal CO2, if it's too low, well, it's not going to be released from that hemoglobin once it gets to the tissues. Now, on the other side, a right shift, it 
almost just falls off the wall, considering like the Goldilocks trying to hang the picture frame. There's not enough, so you try to put up this really heavy frame with just this one little small piece of Velcro, and you put it up there, and it doesn't stick. It just falls to the ground. That's what happens in a right shift. But with respect to oxygen, comes into the lungs, crosses over the alveolar capillary membrane, and then just bounces off of the hemoglobin of a red blood cell. doesn't stick at all. Okay, that's a right shift. Okay, so a left shift holds onto it really, really tightly so that once it gets to the tissues, it just it doesn't let go of it. But a right shift just doesn't even grab onto oxygen very well. So there's not so it's not very well saturated. Okay, so that's that could be a problem there. Now let's talk about temperature for a second because temperature can also affect a shift, and a shift affects stickiness of an oxygen. Right, and that's that's the big picture we're talking about here. Stickiness is the affinity of oxygen to a a hemoglobin. And that could be affected, like we just saw, with a 31 millimeters of mercury in tidal. What what kind of shift do we have there? Low in tidal. That's a left shift. You got it. Now, if I said that hemoglobin is 55, well, that's high. Okay, high is right. Left is low, high is right. When we're talking about the entitled CO2, which really tells a good bit about the acid-base status of our patients, quite simply. So that is the big picture. When, when you're asked a question on one of these exams, hey, the entitled is 14, that's low. This could be a left shift because that's alkalosis. Okay. They might ask you one of those three things. Alkalosis, is this low? Is it a left shift? And, and you need to be able to intertwine those and just make sure that you know that a left... So if you have a low in title, that's a left shift, that's alkalosis. Okay? So that's how we're going to use this information. If it's a right shift, then you have a high in title, and that's a lot of acid. So you have a lot of acidity there. Okay? So an acidosis. Okay. So... And getting back to temperature now, because what the whole point is, a shift tells us stickiness of oxygen. Not just not just an entitel tells us which direction something will shift. A low temperature, guess where it goes? Low left is a left shift. So if you have something that's very, very, very cold, then they're going to hold on to that oxygen. They'll have a left shift, and they'll hold on to that oxygen very, very tightly without releasing it when it gets to the cells. So that's why we have to warm up the, 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 the tissue. If they're extremely hot, then they're not going to hold on to those oxygen molecules like they should. In actuality, they release them too easily, meaning they don't stick very well. Very, very poor stick or stickiness when you have a right shift. Okay, It's released very easily, right, released, high, all that sounds, sounds similar. So right shift is a high right and the it it releases the oxygen just very very quickly, meaning it doesn't stick very well. So very sticky to the left, not very sticky to the right. So those temperatures matter. So if the if you're given a, a environmental emergency patient who's cold, and they might bring up, you know, are they are they going to be um, left shift or right shift? Well, it's left because it's low temp. High is right, right? Same thing. So. Another th- another one is, of course, is the alkalosis or acidosis, okay? Low is alkalosis. High is acidosis, okay? Um, that'll cause a left shift if you're alkalosis and a right shift if you're acidotic. And that just makes sense. We've been talking about that with the entitled CO2. And then, of course, if you have 
other chemicals. Um, I mean, there's other things. These are the big ones. Um, another one could be carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide will cause a left shift, okay, because um, of its chemistry. Without getting too crazy, lots of carbon monoxide is a left shift. Think of lots with carbon monoxide versus um, anything that means uh, a little bit. Lots of CO. If you have CO poisoning, it causes a leftward shift. Okay? So, let's think about this for just a second. What we've been talking about is the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve, which really just talks about how easily oxygen is held on to the hemoglobin and released from the hemoglobin. We want to be in a middle range. That's that's our normal. And a middle range is temperature, middle range, so we, our normal temperature, you know, and as well as our normal acidity, which we can measure indirectly by entitled CO2, gives a good indicator. The, and those things will help us identify... If in our Goldilocks example, if the frame on the wall is going to stay up or not, or if it's going to be too hard to pull away, it all comes down to stickiness of that oxygen to the hemoglobin. That's all we're talking about. So now, on your test questions, if you're asked for a left or right shift, you need to look into what causes left shift and right shift. Left shift, again, is low entitled CO2, low temperature and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of carbon monoxide okay all that's a left shift if it's a left shift then we know that that left shift causes a high stickiness lots of stickiness to for oxygen onto that red blood cell specifically with hemoglobin oxy hemoglobin dissociation curve a left shift means it doesn't it isn't released very well it does it's not let go it's very sticky a right shift has to do with right high temperature, high end tidal. And those those are two of the bigger ones for that, that if you have a temperature and a, and a high acidity or a high end tidal CO2, all that's a right shift. And what happens? Oxygen comes through the, the lung, alveolar capillary membrane, and tries to get on that red blood cell, and it doesn't get on very well. Either it bounces off or it's hold on so loosely that it's let go before we even get to the tissues where... That's really the mechanism. I mean, a red blood cell grabs an oxygen molecule, takes it to the tissues, and gives it to the tissues. In a right shift, either oxygen doesn't oxygen bounces off the red blood cell, or otherwise, once it's it, the hemoglobin grabs it, it's released way too early, way before it gets to the cells. That essentially is the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve. The bottom line is it all has to do with stickiness, stickiness of oxygen onto that hemoglobin. If we can identify that low end tidal, low temperature, and a whole lot of carbon monoxide will cause a left shift, and that left shift just means that oxygen is going to be very, very, very sticky on that red blood cell, so sticky that once it gets to the tissues in the circulatory system, it doesn't let go of oxygen. It wants to hang on to the party. And a right shift, which is high end tidal, high and high temperature, and acidosis, all those cause the oxygen molecule to just jump off of the red blood cell too easily or not even get attached very well at all. So we've said this multiple different ways, multiple different times, and hopefully we've really slammed it in. It's really an easy concept once you know how to explain it, and that should be your goal. Today, when you when you get 
done listening to this, try to either explain it out loud to yourself if you're in your car. If you're at your home, then explain it to your spouse or your family member. Try to explain this to somebody. And then in another couple days, do the same thing. What you need to do to remember this is to practice it, whether you're explaining it to somebody or you're literally doing problems you need to keep it in your short-term memories for as long as possible. And that's how we really build long-term memory. That's why studying works when you're studying the right things in the right ways. Then you keep bringing the information into that short-term memory and it makes a bigger, longer-lasting impression in your long-term memory. If you need more practice in this, with Medication Specialists, we have courses with specifically the Critical Care Skills Practice course, which has a whole lot of just practice problems. And it's not necessarily how-to. It's really just practice problems with feedback. And a good way to do that is our subscription service where once a month we give you, uh, for a small fee, we give you practice problems that are designed so that every month you get a selection of every type of question that you could be asked on the FPC and CFRN exams. And it's not only just for the testing, it's also just to keep you current and sharp. Every month, every every week, we you're, you're given just a few small assignments. And all that's doing is trying to drag that information back into your short-term memory so that we constantly are, are recycling those topics and bringing that information to short-term memory so that you have longer-term memory with these big topics and these big conditions and treatments and assessments. That's our whole goal. So we just want to make every critical care clinician out there better. That's what we love to do. I'm Charlie. I'm with Medication Specialist. You can always reach out to us at charlie at medspx.com, and we'll see you soon.